Hey friends, welcome back to the Living Truth Podcast. Our guest for the show today is New York Times bestselling author Steve Arterburn. Steve um, is a New York Times bestselling author, founder of New Life Ministries, and written and published many, many books. Uh, just for our listeners that might not be familiar with some of your work, um, can you tell us a little bit more about yourself and some of the things that you've done? Uh, let's see. Well, I'm the editor of the Life Recovery Bible, and uh, that's got about 3 million Bibles out there. It's the Pew Bible at Salvation Army. It's the one that Prison Fellowship gives to any prisoner that asks for one. I wrote um, Every Man's Battle with uh, um, Fred Stoker, and we've got about 4 million of those in the series out there. And then um, the uh, Every Man's Bible, that's the best-selling men's study Bible. I founded uh, New Life Ministries. We do New Life Live every uh, weekday at 1 o'clock Eastern time. And I uh, founded uh, Women of Faith, which turned out to be a women's movement. We had over 5 million women filling arenas. And we had over a half million make uh, first-time decisions for Christ. So, wow. Yeah, wow. those are a few things. That's phenomenal. I'm and also a teaching pastor at Northview Church in Carmel, Indiana. Teaching pastor, great honor to be there. Mm -hmm. Yeah, some excellent contributions. And I know, so your radio show is a counseling show, and I think you recently uh, received an award you're telling me about from a radio station in L.A., right? Was it KTLA or something? KKLA, yeah, they have a little Hall of Fame, and um, New Life entered the Hall of Fame, uh, sitting next to John MacArthur. Awesome. Well, yeah, I wanted to uh, talk to you about the Every Man's Battle book that you mentioned. So this was, the original was published in 1999, right? Yeah. I think it did it hit, hit the streets in 2000, right? Oh, look here. Uh -huh. <laughs> Every That's Man's the new Battle. one. Yes. Just Four million sold in the series. Mm -hmm. We've got all the new, um, you know, the research and brain science and all that stuff that we didn't know mm -hmm. uh, when we wrote it 20 years ago. Yeah. Yeah, I was taking a look at some of that, and I've got some questions, uh, some excellent additions in that book. So um, I, think, uh, I think this book back, you know, in 2000, this was one of the books that uh, is responsible for opening conversations of sexual purity in so many men's lives, really making it easier for so many men to confess and bring their porn struggles out into the open. You know, yeah, I hope so. I, uh, I I think it was a huge contribution to that. Um, so yeah, updates to many chapters and a couple of new chapters that I saw. I'd love to ask you some questions, um, and I love that you. Uh, uh, bring bring this up in the book. So many men think that when it comes to porn and other extramarital sexual issues that, uh, you know, I'm just a typical guy. This is what guys do. Uh, I don't, I don't have to stop, you know, guys look at porn and masturbate and, and, and it's just a guy thing. Yeah. What are your comments on some of that? Well, I would say um, that it has become just a guy thing. But it's not a godly guy thing. And so if you want to be a godly guy or a godly man, um, you know, I think that's a different set of standards, different set of rules. 
got um, a guy thing kind of implies teenager, early twenties guy. Man, I think um, has an implication of uh, maturity, character, uh, stability versus guy. So if you want to be a guy, then you can do your porn. A lot of guys are doing it. You can uh, justify it. You can say so many do it. They do. But if you want to be a godly man, then you start to ask yourselves. Now, let's see. A teenager says to himself, wow, I can do a lot of things that I couldn't do before I was an adolescent or a teenager. So what do I want to do? And the teenager goes off and experiments with a lot of things and does a lot of things, has the first drink, uses porn, has sex, all this. Says, wow, look at all the things that I can do. The man, the godly man, says, Mm -hmm. look at all the things I can do. But what is it that I need to not do so that I'm a better man? What are the things that I need to pursue and do to be a godly man. That's called maturity. Mm-hmm. So we end up being one of the guys getting married to one of the gals out there. It doesn't matter who, because women just become objects to a pornified man. So we marry some gal out there, and pretty quickly it turns into a dynamic of we're the bad little boy looking at dirty pictures. Mm. And she's the angry mother. There's no connection other than this this bad little boy, angry mom dynamic. And we can't figure out what happened here. We were so in love. (laughs) And I don't know. From my perspective, any mother wanting to have sex with a bad little boy is kind of a sick person. Mm, Yeah. And any bad little boy wanting to have sex with angry mommy kind of a sick person so we have a very sick dynamic set up here but it is so predictable it is so um common that it's ridiculous to live in it when you don't have to you can be a totally different person living a totally different way Mm -hmm. yeah yeah for sure and yeah, you were starting to allude to that. The um, my next question was actually in in the realm of um, the the porn, sexual promiscuity, and this kind of behavior doesn't go away when you get married, right? Uh, some some people think that uh, yeah, it'll just go away when I get married. I'll be able to have sex anytime I want, right? And it gets right. worse. Why do you think it gets worse? Well, um, sex was meant to be a contact sport. <laughs> and and the contact is intimacy here with the heart. And then you fulfill that intimacy in marriage. And it's, a, it's an amazing experience. So fantastic. A lot of people think, surely um, this can't be good. <laughs> this can't be from God. And in fact, in days of ore, they used to think that, and they'd say, well, we're just going to have sex to have kids. It's just too great to be healthy outside of creating kids. Sick, sick way to look at it. There are still some sex sex denominations and and cults that still view it that way. Mm-hmm. But when you are involved with pornography, you're involved with self-sex. 
And sex was never meant mm-hmm. for self-sex. Now, is right. self-sex the worst thing in the world? No. Uh, if I've ever masturbated or have had sex with myself, am I going to hell? No. That's not what we're saying here. What we're saying is that you go beyond experimentation and all that to, to pretty much sex is all about me and what I do and the pleasure I feel and the relief that I have. And in the process, I'm using pornography and I start to objectify women. And women are just objects to me. So I realize this isn't good, doesn't feel right. So I I pick one of these objects to marry. And I'm expecting that this object is gonna fix this for me once we're married. And it's what I call the bifurcation myth, thinking I can be this way until I eat some wedding cake. And the moment I eat wedding cake, my life is totally different. I'm not lusting. I'm a man of character. I don't want anybody but my wife. But in fact, what happens is I've been sticking that best foot forward out there. And the second I eat the wedding cake, that ugly old other foot comes forward for me. And then her ugly old other foot comes forward for her. And now we're trying to have a relationship. And not only did she not fix my porn problem, I am entitled now to have sex with myself all I want since she is just really expecting more than I can deliver. Because for me, sex is just about an inanimate object, a picture, a video. I have sex with me. I don't have to worry about them. Mm-hmm. And then now here's this person expecting connection and intimacy and all of this stuff. So now I'm angry. Mm. And angry men go out and have sex with themselves. I've never met a sex addict or someone dependent on pornography that wasn't intensely angry because their expectations haven't been met. Well, there's another reason that it gets worse. When I get married, Uh, And I discover that sex is really so much more than just a physical act, that it it really involves a lot of things leading up to it. Uh, I just start to retreat to pornography because it's a habit of mine. You don't break a habit by eating a piece of cake. You know, if that that could do it, I'd be selling cake to a lot of people. Anti-porn cake. All right. So it doesn't fix it, doesn't help it. So now, if I'm over here having sex with pornography, there are a couple of things that happen. Whenever a man um, is sexual and has an orgasm, um, not only uh, is there a release or, you know, there's a relief, uh, but there's also something floods his brain. One is dopamine, same thing that happens when you use heroin. Mm -hmm. It's just that the dopamine spikes up here, dopamine with sex is here. But it's that feeling, that that intense feeling of of feeling good, or we wouldn't have sex, we didn't feel good. There's another thing that happens, we release a hormone called oxytocin. Mm -hmm. Now, oxytocin is a bonding hormone. And this is why when we're married, we need to have a lot of sex, good sex. More bad sex never helps anybody. But when we have great sex, connected sex, this oxytocin floods our bloodstream and it bonds us to the person we're having sex with. 
Mm-hmm. And it's that that feeling of well-being after a sexual experience. All right, well, this oxytocin has quite a history. It's also the hormone that's released when a mother is nursing her baby. Mm-hmm. The mother nurses the baby. What is the what does the hormone do? It supernaturally bonds that mother to her little baby. Right. Then she hears a roaring lion, if she's a cave woman, outside the cave. She is so aggressive toward anything that threatens what she's bonded to. She will walk, she'll secure the baby, Mm -hmm. run outside that cave, and she will kill that mountain lion with supernatural strength. Because not only is she bonded to her baby, she is uh, kind of supernaturally, hormonally wanting to be aggressive toward and destroy anything that's a threat to what she's bonded to. Well, same thing with the man. If I'm bonded to pornography because of oxytocin, have a sexual experience over and over with pornography, I'm bonded to pornography. And I'm also aggressive toward any threat to what brings me pleasure. So this wonderful woman that I married, I can't stand her, and I don't even know why. Everything she does, I want to attack her. I want to put her down. I want to belittle her. You know what it is? It's oxytocin. Mm-hmm. You are bonded to pornography, and you are aggressive and destructive toward anything that's a threat to it, like a wife that might be walking in the room when you're doing your thing. Mm-hmm. So it's really important that we stop doing pornography and having sex with ourselves and bonding with it and start to focus on her, bounce our eyes away from everything except her, focus on her and watch what happens. We will become supernaturally attracted to her Mm. uh, and it'll be a totally different experience. Yeah. Yeah. I found that to be true in my own life too. That's exactly what happens. And, you know, so many guys don't really experience that. They don't, they don't believe it. They don't understand it. And it's just, you know, sometimes you just have to try it (laughs) and then you realize it's true. It is true. Are you smarter than a 14 year old is a question I have for you because a couple of years ago, time magazine, not a conservative publication had on its cover um, a story, a cover story about 14-year-old guys giving up uh, pornography. Mm. Now, it wasn't because they had found Jesus and they wanted uh, to improve their spiritual life. They discovered what everybody discovers. If you're having sex with pornography, it neuters you and your ability to have sex with a real-life human being for most mm. men. Yeah. And so they said, you know what, we're going to have to give this up here because uh, we're not doing well with sex Mm -hmm. with a real-life human being. Mm -hmm. So um, Hugh Hefner, in 1953, started Playboy. Mm -hmm. He said, the Playboy philosophy is where it is. This other stuff's old-fashioned, but listen to me, and you'll have the greatest sex ever. Well, when he died, some of these people that he'd been having sex with started to talk about Hugh. Hugh wasn't a very good sex partner. He had a lot of difficulty. And there's a whole sexual dysfunction industry called erectile dysfunction uh, mm-hmm. that I believe probably 60 to 70% of their medication is sold because of men not being able to have 
sex with a real live human being. Mm-hmm. So you can act like a child or a teenager and do all the stuff that you can do. Or you could say, maybe this is something uh, I ought to stop doing and mm-hmm. see what it's like. As you said, give it a try. What's mm-hmm. life going to be like when, mm-hmm. um, when I give all of this stuff up? Yeah. 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 When I was looking through the um, reading through the new, uh, anniversary edition of every man's battle and you talked about that in chapter 19 p-i-e-d porn induced erectile dysfunction i mean that's a real thing isn't it yes it is porn induced erectile dysfunction and we have a lot of pied pipers out there uh selling that (laughs) i want to show you something see this right here you see this this um this was made in China. Mm-hmm. Uh, beautiful, isn't it? A beautiful vase made in China. Still has the Goodwill uh, tag on it that I got it for $2.99. But, you know, I think probably uh, it's a pretty nice piece of China. What mm-hmm. about this? Isn't this beautiful? Here's another one. Can you see that? Look at that. Uh-huh. Beautiful. But look, I just broke it. No, I didn't. It's a puzzle. <laughs> it's a puzzle. Uh, it's a three-dimensional puzzle. Mm-hmm. It's plastic. It looks really, really pretty good here from this angle, like that one. Wow. But it's not the real thing, right? Mm-hmm. Right. So there are right. a lot of people out there, and your sex life looks good on the outside, maybe, I don't know, but it's plastic, and it's in pieces. Mm-hmm. It's not the real thing. Mm-hmm. You can have that. Or you can have this stupid thing and try to make the best of it. And this is really what your sex life looks like. Mm-hmm. And you're trying to tell people, oh, it's wonderful. It's a, it's a fake. And it's in pieces. And you're going to have to go to work if it's ever going to be anything but this. Another uh, analogy is that when you go to a wax museum, ever wonder why people do that? Well, they do it because they want... They want to be close to something famous or powerful, but if you can't have access to the real thing, you'll go be part of the counterfeit. And you Mm -hmm. find some satisfaction in the presence of the counterfeit. So if you can't meet Elvis, you go see the the plastic Elvis, (laughs) and it gives you some kind of satisfaction. Then later in life, when your memory starts to fail, you ask yourself, hey, didn't I go see Elvis one time, Mary? Yeah. I think I did. I think I was in his bedroom. Um, so, so you have some satisfaction from the counterfeit, mm-hmm. but you never ever experience the fullness and the complete measure of what it's like when you're fully connected to your wife. Now, let's address mm-hmm. some reality here, Michael. I don't know if you've heard about this. I know your wife is, Kristen is perfect, but some guys are married to some really big problem women. Mm-hmm. It's not your problem. It's her problem. She's selfish. She's self-obsessed. Uh, she's driven by past wounds. She's never healed. Mm-hmm. What are you going to do? Well, I tell you this. It doesn't justify destroying your character or preventing your character from growing. That's the hand you've been dealt. And retreating Mm -hmm. into pornography and counterfeit sex 
only makes it worse. Mm -hmm. So what you want to do yeah. is get in a group, get your pornography taken care of, grow. And maybe as you grow and mature, it will inspire her mm -hmm. to do exactly the same thing. That would be the goal. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Just saying, well, she's sick. I'm not. Uh, she's got the problem. I don't. Not going to get you anywhere. Takes more mm -hmm. than that. Yeah. Two wrongs don't make a right. <laughs> Neither do two lefts. Oh, actually, you would go right if you had two lefts. But two lefts. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Well, yeah, this... Um, um, I noticed in chapter three of uh, the anniversary edition of Every Man's Battle, you added some emphasis on the definitions of sexual addiction because uh, sexual addiction was a very new idea when the first um, publication came out. Can you tell us more about sexual addiction? And that's where that's where all of this leads as well, right? Yeah, and you know when we wrote um, Every Man's Battle, we were very clear that this book was more for a guy that that wasn't really at the sexual addiction level. Mm -hmm. Now we made the point that anything in the book helps a guy who is a full-blown sex addict, but as we've gone on in time, we look at, oh man, I mean, it's rare to find a guy that is involved with pornography that, you know, isn't actually addicted to it or or it's mm -hmm. a, you could just say it's a, it's a habitual problem that he's not able to instantly stop. Mm -hmm. And, you know, um, I kind of outline different levels of, of sexual addiction, everything from, you know, it's just me and I'm looking at, at pornography and it's legal to mm -hmm. uh, moving into some things that aren't legal, like child porn. And, mm. and when you go to uh, looking at pornographic movies and things, like um, I remember somebody was telling me about a movie where uh, it's a pornographic movie and it's like in a uh, Eastern 18th century countryside. Mm. And all of a sudden in the midst of, you know, their people have sex and they're nude and they try to throw in some kind of storyline. But all of a sudden, a group of 13 or 14 naked children come running through the screen. Now, why is that? Oh, wow. Why is that? Because they're trying to hook you on child pornography. Uh, wow, look at those little kids. That's fascinating. Mm. And uh, I got to tell you, uh, one of the world's greatest communicators, uh, his wife called me. Uh, he was suicidal. He was going to kill himself. Because he had done exactly, he had gone to this site uh, mm. after watching a pornographic video. He got curious about child porn, goes to a child porn site, and this FBI thing comes up that says, We are monitoring this site. We know who you are, and we are coming to your home to apprehend you. Mm. Wow. So he's going to kill himself. He goes to his wife, and uh, I just say to him, Well, you can kill yourself. That's okay. But how about going to every man's battle right before you do? <laughs> so we he agreed. He calls me every year and thanks me uh, for saving his life. The, mm. the point is that, you know, you start doing this stuff and it's legal and that's one level of sexual addiction. Then you get into the yeah. illegal stuff. You're not touching anybody, uh, but it's illegal. 
Then you go into somebody else. You have an affair. That's not illegal or anything like that. But then you get into the illegal stuff. Mm -hmm. But all of this is involving not you illegally. You're not doing anything illegal, but you're supporting illegal activity because of the sex trafficking that fuels the pornography industry. 87% of those women that you're looking at would do something else if they could find a way to support themselves. And so many of them are, are in a sex trafficking uh, system where they were lured in. I heard a woman who was a, uh, she was about a 3.9 uh, student, law student at Harvard. One night she is, um, and she's beautiful, and she's dancing uh, at this uh, club with another person. And she's a good dancer. Guy comes up to her and says, man, you are an amazing dancer and you are gorgeous. Uh, I think you probably could win uh, this model competition if you just let me take some pictures. Hmm. So she goes. Uh, she is fully clothed. She takes pictures. But before she does, she has to sign all of these releases that he hmm. can use the pictures that include her home address, her parents' names, all of this stuff. It's all above board, right? Because mm. he's going to send these pictures off that he thinks can get her a top modeling job. Right. And so in the process, their next meeting, he tells her he knows where her parents lived. He knows everything about her. And she will now be having sex with the men he wants her to have sex with, or he is going to kill her parents. You're kidding. Wow. Within six wow. weeks, this law student was hooked into sex trafficking and didn't know what to do. And fortunately, another woman who same uh, scenario, uh. she went to the authorities. And uh, sure enough, this uh, sex trafficking scheme was uh, busted. But I'm oh, telling you, you think that this is some kind of remote thing where they're getting a nine-year-old from uh, Indonesia into sex trafficking. Mm. That's that's happening. Yeah. But it's also happening with people right here in our country who are very bright, but they don't know what they're dealing with. Mm -hmm. So it brings it a lot closer to home. Right here in the U.S., this is happening. Yes. Mm -hmm. Wow. Yeah, you mentioned um, going to every man's battle while, while you were talking about uh, the, the uh, communicator that contacted you and so on. So this, um, can you tell us about this? It's a, it's a weekend workshop um, that uh, men can go to and attend. Yeah, can you tell us a little more about well, that? Yeah, I mean, um, the uh, coronavirus uh, presented us with a dilemma on our workshops. Our workshops are, mm -hmm. you know, you fly in, you have to pay to fly there. Um, you pay a lot of money because it's in a hotel and then you, we feed you and all that stuff. But with the coronavirus, um, you know, we had to make some changes. And now uh, it's a one day event mm -hmm. and we're doing it online and we're doing it with Zoom. So you'll hear the presentation live on your computer Mm -hmm. then you become part of a secure Zoom meeting with the Christian counselor. So you and six or seven other guys, uh, April 18th is the first time uh, for this format. 
And um, we're very excited about this because mm -hmm. a lot of people that didn't want to travel, a lot of people that didn't want to spend extra money on travel and, and the total expense of the workshop are able to access this. And it's a very, very powerful experience. Mm -hmm. And, you know, a lot of guys, they do not want to be part of every man's battle workshop. Mm -hmm. But somebody has said, either do this or I'm going to divorce you or I'm legally separating, whatever. But then once they get there, they say, okay, this is the key uh, to my future. It's really the key to me becoming a man. And they're very grateful that they went, even though they didn't want to be there. And if you want to know about that, you just call 1-800-NEW-LIFE, and they'll give you the details about the Every Man's Battle workshop. You've been, I sent you over there so you'd know what it was like, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's, it is. It's very worthwhile. Yeah, it was, it, it was incredible. And, and I know um, the Zoom experience is, uh, there's nothing like being there in person. But I mean, yeah. in this, in, in the midst of this quarantine, you know, this is what we have to do. And uh, it's, I, I know that God is going to work. He can work through this technology he has, and he is. And I think that uh, it's going to be an incredible experience for men to go ahead and be a part of that. And I know the Jason Martinez is an incredible teacher. If he's doing a lot of the teaching and the counselors. Uh, so normally you would fly in these, these male Christian counselors from all over the United States into a location where you'd have it at a hotel conference room and stuff. So these same counselors are just going to be on zoom to uh, be able That's to right. have, and, and there it's basically a functional counseling group yeah. uh, in, in, in these small group discussions. Right. So, right. yeah, I, I went, uh, so that was, man, that was uh, over four years ago now, a little, maybe four and a half years ago. And yes, I still, I still remember some of the things that, uh, uh, they, they put together for the guys there and it was very, very good. Definitely yeah. top notch. I recommend it to every guy that, that comes through our ministry. Um, you know, there's so, a, there's a group out in uh, Riverside and, um, you know, they say that whenever you're ready to quit messing around with yourself, um, here's what you do. You come to our, their meetings, you find a, another recovery meeting to go to. Mm -hmm. You go to every man's battle. And when you do that, you go to their meeting, another recovery meeting, and you attend every man's battle. Everybody has to go to every man's battle. Mm -hmm. They have something like a 95% success rate of guys staying pure after they do that. Wow. It's, it's an amazing uh, program. And, you know, I say this thing so uh, destroys everything in your manhood, your marriage, your role as a father. Uh, why would you just go to a meeting? You know, some people say, well, you know, they get caught by their wife. Mm -hmm. And she's he's ripped her heart out. And they say this, well, honey, I, I feel horrible. I'm going to get up in the morning. And I'm going to pray more. And I'm going to read my Bible more. Well, those are really great things to do. You just ripped her heart out. And now you're telling her you're going to really do some spiritual stuff. Why wouldn't a guy want to go to an experience on a weekend and, and kind of show his wife, I'm, I'm doing whatever I can. I mean, there are programs, Michael, you know, this, you, you quit your job and go away for a month and stay in a, in a yeah. house. Mm -hmm. What's one day. Yeah. It's nothing. It's nothing compared to that. So I just say, you know, if you're really serious, least you could do is give it a day. Oh yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, that's a very good perspective talking about the wife and um, you rip her heart out, you know, and so many men are already doing those things, those spiritual disciplines that you're talking about, but yet they're still looking at pornography. I mean, we've seen pastors who yeah. have uh, got, you know, they're, they're getting up and delivering fabulous messages and sermons every Sunday, but yet they're still, you know, they're addicted to porn and have this double life. So, well, you know, let me more... mention this to you real quick. We had a pastor who he would hand his computer to his uh, tech guy uh, to show his PowerPoint for the sermon. Um, and he would do that. Uh, and one Sunday, he handed his computer to the tech guy, and he clicks on it. And when he's preaching, up comes the pornographic picture the pastor was looking at, or whatever he was doing with it, back in his study before he came out. Oh, now, he no wasn't kidding. the right pastor, or he would have been able to quickly say, I just wanted to show you how horrible stuff is that people are looking at, but he didn't. He, he, you know, he was caught and humiliated. Wow. He did not lose his position uh, because he hadn't been involved with, uh, you know, somebody personally, um, but they took him away. They took away the, the pulpit for a year and he went to every man's battle. And then he was involved in a restoration process and he's, he's still preaching now. But I just say, um, why not get it taken care of before something horrible like that happens? It'd be a really yeah. good idea. Yeah, that's a great idea. Well, let me say this, Michael. Um, I don't know of anybody that's doing more to help more men than you. And, um, you know, my wife and your wife have known each other uh, for years. That's, um, that's how you and I got together. My mm -hmm. wife sang at your wedding. And um, my wife uh, doesn't have a lot of respect for a lot of people, but boy, does she ever respect Kristen and mm -hmm. believes in her. And I just want to say to folks that I, I come in contact with a lot of big talkers, but this guy, Michael, has done more uh, than most anybody I know to help men find manhood, real biblical manhood, become godly men, and take care of whatever problem it is they have. Michael, you've got a great uh, journal. You just sent me uh, mm -hmm. this self-published journal. Every mm -hmm. guy ought to use that journal. And mm -hmm. um, I hope you, you're going to make that uh, available. Folks don't know how to order it. Well, Steve, thank you so much for being on our show today. It was uh, fantastic having you. And I know that it's going to be a great uh, benefit for our listeners. Friends, I really hope you enjoyed this episode today. You can find the Every Man's Battle 20th Anniversary Edition just about anywhere that you can buy books these days, including Amazon.com. And you can purchase a Sacred Freedom Journal online. The website will be posted in the description of this podcast. Don't forget to subscribe to this podcast so you don't miss any episodes. And click on the stars to give us a rating. We'd appreciate that.